for me, when I look at things is the market's going really, really well. I don't want us to lose focus on the basics, right? So like going back to the basics as well as um, what can we be doing and focusing on and putting our time, efforts, energy, money, all of those things into continually improving things while things are really good and not waiting until it's too late. And too late is defined by, oh, the market conditions have changed and uh, we might need a new website or we may need to invest in some content or we need to do do these things now while the market's good. And then also don't get lazy just because the market's good. And we talk about this and, and I actually just wrote a blog about this. It'll be posted. Um, you'll be able to find that about this, this, the same time this podcast is live. Um, but really diving in and understanding and identifying um, where things are getting lazy or where people are getting lazy or where systems aren't being followed um, and, and areas of opportunity and not just kind of rest on our laurels. That's what it means to me. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. Today, our focus discussion of the week this week is GMS. Do you have it or do you even know what it is? I love how you make that sound. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. And of course, we're in marketing. We have to talk about the Super Bowl. So, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So we're officially in spring selling season. But before we talk about what that means in marketing um, in the spring selling season, I want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. So Matt knows this, but um, I actually, obviously, I'm an Eagles fan, but my the team I was rooting for was, of course, Kansas City because Andy Reid um, and his relationship with Philadelphia. And I actually went to high school with Andy Reid's kids. So, um, to me, I was so happy to see them win and to celebrate. Um, and just that family deserves it so much. So I was just so excited and happy for them. And I was following all the kids on, um, Instagram and their stories and seeing it from their perspective. So that was really super fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, I, I obviously don't know him, uh, but uh, he seems like a pretty, pretty genuine guy and a group, good group of people. Um, however, I mean, there's a game that really gets in the way of what Super Bowl Sunday is all about. Uh, and that's the ads. Um, so our ads get interrupted by a football game. And, uh, and as marketers, that's what we look forward to. So why don't we talk a little bit first about what some of your and at mine, our favorite Super Bowl commercials were, uh, and, uh, curious to see what you guys think as well. Molly, what were some of your favorites? Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really funny this year is there, a lot of people have 
totally different favorites. Whereas usually I see one or two that are just by far the ones that everyone loves. Um, There are a couple that really stood out and you're seeing a lot of coverage on on social media. But overall, there were a lot of really good spots. And then in addition to that, there were some super weird ones like, like the avocado one. Like that was just super weird. That was weird. I understand uh, I avocados say. are going through a hard time and they were targeting the uh, the hipsters, but um, I felt like, I I don't know, it made me feel really old, even though Molly Ringwald was in it. It just made me feel really old. All right. So my favorite spot was... Who knows what spot that was? It was Cheetos. So I that loved, was a good one. Yeah. So I loved how they pulled the nostalgia. That's like nostalgia and like the 80s and 90s are super hot right now. But also yeah. um, every parent, right, has this feeling of your kid coming at you with these disgusting bright orange fingers. I know um, Daniel, my husband, for example, like he literally just – he cannot stand when the kids, you know, have that that cheese all over them. So it really resonated and we laughed because it's like one of those universal things that we've all experienced and it was fun to see them make fun of themselves. So Yeah, it was good. I I tend to think that the funny commercials are um you know, really good for this audience and I like to laugh. Um the other one I loved was the Groundhog Day because I thought the message was I thought they brought it full full circle. More so nostalgia, I, by the way. Yeah, more nostalgia. And there was a lot of that in a bunch of the commercials. But this one, you know, it's Jeep. You really remember that it's Jeep because the whole message is that, you know, no day is boring when you're when you're when you have a Jeep and it was just really even Groundhog fun. Day, right? It was so fun and clever and it brought that old movie. And I just, I really love that spot. Yeah, those were good. You know, uh, honestly, I think that I can, I could see an entire home builder nostalgia marketing campaign, like an entire one all about showing very, you could even tie in emotions and, you know, showing kids going out and playing ball or jump rope or, you know, what the things that you did in the eighties and nineties. And it's like, don't you want this for your family? Um, and cause you're, you're that you, that's a truly new versus, uh, why buy a house in general, getting people off the, off the fence for renting. So anyway, I, I could see a whole nostalgia campaign um, because it is big. And that was, we went with, we went that way with our own stuff at IBS this year, um, which was going for going for nostalgia and playing old school video games. Right. So I, there's a lot to that one. So those are, they did a really good job there. Um, for me, my, the favorite one for me was the Google one where he's the, uh, the old man's asking, uh, Google Home to remember the things he uh, doesn't want to forget about about his wife, who you've assumed has passed. Um, you know, like all the things that you know. Don't let me forget. Loretta did this. Loretta did this. She said this, and even at the very end, it, it actually it confirms. You know, her quote to him was, "Don't miss me too much, uh, and get out of the dang house." Um, and what I really, really liked about that um, was. 
but we can take technology for granted. Um, and as, as home builders or we're, as we're entering into the smart home realm and healthy home realm of all this new thing and getting away from just solely buy, buy a new home because of the energy, but buy a new home because of all these other things, it tying in um, what you do and how you do it and how it impacts someone's life in a positive way is how they're truly going to remember you. Um, and, and, and honestly, one of the reasons why they'd be willing to pay more for your home versus that used home on the market. So really getting that tie in that emotional tie in of a story, not just the thing. Uh, and, and I think that was, they did a really exceptional job there. Uh, I did love the Cheetos one as well. <laughs> so the so that spot has probably gotten more coverage than any other spot on social media. And I think a lot of people have shared that it made them cry or tear up. Um, I watched it after seeing some of the feedback. And at the end, I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe I don't have a heart because it did not make me cry. <laughs> But one of the things that I think made it resonate so much is that all the other ones leading up to it were not quite as emotional. They were the more funny, um, you know, silly ones. And then you have this like really hard hitting emotional one that just like yeah. shifts your tone and makes it, um, you know, connects with a, with an emotion that everyone can kind of um, feel and everyone can relate to. I think that it could that particular commercial can could have lost some of the umph behind it in the setting that it was in, around, like getting smashed into the all the other types of commercials. But obviously, when you spend that kind of money and you create, you know, on creating something, that's not going to be the only place you run that. And I think that has is much more impactful on a, on in a different setting, right? When you see it on its own, when you see it online. Um, and because you think about it, if you're at a Super Bowl party too, it's loud, it's noisy. There were a lot of commercials that I couldn't hear. We were at some, a friend's house at a Super Bowl party. So I think that that one is much more impactful on its own outside of that setting. The other one that I thought was a really good commercial actually, uh, that did a really good job of making you laugh and showcasing some cool product was the uh, Chris Evans and uh, the, were they, the Boston commercial. That was, was the Hyundai. funny. That one has not gotten a lot of social media traction, but that really did make me laugh. Yeah, park the car. Uh, yeah. Right. And it, and it did resonate because you got to see the product in action. You had all these big people with the, you know, the, the Boston accent that everyone loves. Um, I, I like that one too. Yeah, it was good. Those were to my two. So one of the spots that I want to talk about uh, was actually one that people did not love. And I, I really liked it. I thought it worked and it resonated. And that was the Squarespace one with Winona Ryder. Um, mm. so the whole idea was essentially that a website makes it real. And that resonated with me as a business owner. Everyone hear the sirens outside uh, Central Philly. <laughs> It's what happens when you work in uh, next to the window in downtown Philadelphia. <laughs> All right. Um, but a website makes it real. And that really resonated with me because as a business owner, as marketing professionals, 
you know, that is true. You know, the website is so important. So um, what we'll do is we'll add links to some of these. I know, I'm sure you've seen most of them, but we would love to get a good conversation going um, in the Facebook group. And we want to hear the ones you love, but we really want to hear the ones you hated. I would say my, my least favorite was probably avocado weirdness. That one was just weird. I, I agree. It was weird. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So b- before we jump into our, um, our, our topic of the day, GMS, uh, I'm going to post a link. I'm not going to really go into the article that much, but I think this is a, a good article that was on social media today. It's the state of video marketing, 2019, 2020. It's just a, basically a giant infographics. And, and I like infographics cause I like numbers, but, um, so, that t- you know that ties into we're talking about commercials in the Super Bowl spots of reusing the stuff that we're creating and and when we look at investing because we're going to be talking about that in a minute but when we look at investing into whether it's commercial whether it's video content whatever it is it should be reused over and over and over and over again um, and so when we're talking about video specifically. Um, there's some big highlights, right? So some general data, 78% of people watch videos online every week and 55% of them watch videos every single day. Um, and then 96% watched an explainer video, quote unquote, to learn more about a product or service. I, I tie that into, I, I even factor that into like customer reviews or um, uh, or actual product reviews. If I'm looking to buy something, I really like to go and watch someone else talk about how they used it and what they liked and what they disliked about it. I actually Um, use it for instructions. So like, for example, like a a car seat or something, I, I won't read the small type. I'll watch an explainer video of how to put it in or how to set it up because it's just so much easier to see it and hear it. So video marketing stat, 41% 41% of marketers say that video has helped them reduce support calls. There you go. I I took apart my my dryer and literally took my iPad into the laundry room and watched a technician like with my model how to replace the ball bearings and stuff in, in the dryer. Took it apart all on the video, put it all back together, uh, bought the part on Amazon for like $13. It would have cost me $250 to fix it. Uh, yeah, I did it all on YouTube. Yeah. So the one thing here is, and my husband did this, is he thought that he could be an electrician by watching YouTube and started doing electrical work in our house. So please don't do that. I was terrified. <laughs> um, and there are there, sometimes you need to call in a professional. So Matt, the idea of you taking apart a, an electronic like that and, uh, you know, sometimes there are limits. So <laughs> there are. I unplugged it. <laughs> all right, all right. The, cons- the the actual real concern was when I put it back together and plugged it back in and tried to turn it on that it wasn't going to like throw everything that I'm flying out of there. Right. But uh, anyway, last the last number and then again, there's a ton of info in here. I'm going to post this in the show notes. But the last number this is big. Um, this is for YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram stats. Two billion. YouTube has over 2 billion users, which is almost one third of the entire internet. Crazy, crazy. And this thing goes on and on and on and breaks down how different the different platforms and how it all gets used. So really good info. Make sure you check it out um, and focus on that content creation. Focus on video, telling your story um, and not with just 
words. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about GMS. And no, it's not a real medical condition. Hang tight. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back, and we are going to dive into our focus discussion of the week this week. GMS, or otherwise known as good market syndrome. Molly, when I say, do you have GMS, what does that make you think of? It made me think of PMS. (laughs) I was like, Matt, are you trying to say something here? Am I just being like a little tough today? What is going on here? Oh my gosh. I was not expecting that response. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to say IBS, like the conference we just came by and you went there. Nope. I went there. PMS right there. GMS. But I love this actual term. So why don't you tell us what it really means? Okay. So GMS is good market syndrome. And I coined TM, uh, this phrase back at my, in my home builder days and uh, when things were going really well, and for me, when I look at things as the market's going really, really well, I don't want us to lose focus on the basics, right? So like going back to the basics as well as um, what can we be doing and focusing on and putting our time, efforts, energy, money, all of those things into continually improving things while things are really good and not waiting until it's too late. And too late is defined by, oh, the market conditions have changed and uh, we might need a new website or we may need to invest in some content or we need to do do these things now while the market's good. And then also don't get lazy just because the market's good. And we talk about this and and I actually just wrote a blog about this. It'll be posted. Um, You'll be able to find that about this, this the same time this podcast is live. Um, But really diving in and understanding and identifying um, where things are getting lazy or where people are getting lazy or where systems aren't being followed um, and and areas of opportunity and not just kind of rest on our laurels. That's what it means to me. Yeah. And this, this actually makes me think a little bit about what I talked about at the sales rally at the Builder Show. And that is It is very natural to go into autopilot. And in fact, there there was a study done by Harvard that showed that almost half of the time we're in autopilot. And what happens with GMS is when the market is good, we we kind of glide by and we just let it let it go. And that is that is not in anyone's best interest. So um you know, really being alert and being aware and knowing, and all of us who have been in the industry long enough know it's not staying how it is. It doesn't ever do that. So it is going to change and um, we have to think and act based on what's coming up, not on, not based on what is happening right in this exact moment. Without question, um, you know some things that come up. I'll give you. I'll give some examples. I'll throw some examples out that I hear all the time. Um, and, and there's a couple different categories that these will fall under. And I'll start one with investing time and money into tools that are going to be helping you now down the road. So, a couple things. 
and Molly chime in at any time on these. So, um, website, let's start with websites. Uh, website is not great. It has got to be redone. Um, it, it's not a great customer experience. Um, you know, the infrastructure itself, the, the, the architecture of the site itself isn't best practice. And a response could be, well, you know, we just did this a year and a half ago. Like we just built this site a year and a half ago, or I'm selling homes right now. I don't need to spend any money on that. Um, and so there's, there's two things on this particular example that, uh, I want to talk about. One is I just did it a year and a half ago. The answer is so what it's still wrong, right? Like if it, just because we spent money on something doesn't mean it was a, we spent the right money on the right things or B doesn't actually mean that it was done the right way. Just because we spent it doesn't mean that we have to hold on to it. The money that we spent on the, and we're using this just as, as an example, but the money we spent there is already spent. That's what we call a sunk cost. It's already spent. You can't get it back no matter what. So you've, you can either spend that money and continue to not get the right results or the results that you should be getting. Or you can say, all right, we're going to reinvest and we're going to do it the right way. Um, that's that example. The other, go, go ahead. Do you want to say something? No, no, no. Keep going. Okay. So the other example is, well, we're all, we're selling enough. I don't need to sell anymore or it's, it's good enough. And we have to be thinking about what it's going to be like moving forward because today it's good enough. But let's talk about in the website example, let's talk about how long it's going to take to build a website. Let's just say six months. It's going to take six months to build the website once you identify that you're actually going to need the website, right? However, if we wait until we're quote unquote not selling as much um, to identify that, then we're six months down the road at least before that problem gets fixed. So identifying the things that we need to focus on now while it's good, not to, not to also mention when it's better, we actually have more disposable income to do those things personally and professionally as a business owner. You have the extra funds to do it because things are going well. Um, so that's one example, Molly, what do you, what do you, what are your, what's your take on that yeah, particular? Example? So I think when a, when the market is good, we have to be reminded of what the basics are with just overall marketing be best practices. So going back to the basics, all marketing has a purpose. And what we tend to do in this industry is think that the only purpose is to drive traffic and sales immediately. Now, of course, it's always going to focus on sales. But what you're saying, Matt, is that we're not talking about sales today. So yeah, you have sales. That's wonderful. We're talking about sales for next year. And when you market effectively and you're using the basic fundamentals of marketing best practices, we're really talking about the purpose being more branding focus. So what I hear from builders is I can't build them fast enough. Listen, that is a freaking awesome, awesome problem to have. 
But what you don't want to do is stop marketing because you can't build them fast enough. That's where you really evaluate the purpose of your marketing, knowing that you are going to need to maintain in the next year as the market shifts. And you really focus more on that branding, staying out there, making sure that as you do get through the, you know, what you have, that you have that you're able to continue that momentum. So um, really keeping it consistent and knowing and identifying what your purpose is right now with your marketing and moving forward. So that that to me is, is really key. A lot of times, and like I was saying, all marketing isn't about driving traffic driving traffic, driving traffic. It can, the intent can be many different things. Awareness can be the purpose of a marketing piece. Um, educating your audience and showing that you are the, the expert in your market on what you do. Um, all these different things to get people to the next step in the process. So to me, this is not the time to stop anything. And unfortunately, with every time the market um, goes through shifts, we see this happen over and over again, this good market syndrome. And we know enough as an industry to not let it happen. And for some reason, it happens every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Right now, that doesn't mean that if something is, you know, you're literally out of home sites in a particular neighborhood for a period of time, that doesn't mean that the spend should stay the same. Right. You can dial that that actual ad spend back a little bit, obviously, and, and reallocate that somewhere else. But don't completely shut those things off. That's a perfect example of GMS. Another example of GMS I want to talk about. So I was doing an OSC coaching session with one of our builder partners. And, um, on that, one of the things we were talking about was the show rate of appointments. So appointments set the percentage of the times that they actually show up. And we were looking at what that kind of that handoff process looks like from the OSC to the on-site. And there was a drop-off in the transfer from the OSC to the actual on-site salesperson and the, it was, and it's, it was on the on-site side and the, the person was like, well, I don't really want to rock the boat that much. Things are going really well. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to upset the apple cart here with the on-site salespeople. And I'm going to wait a little bit before I drive that point home. And my, my response to that is that time is right now. Everyone, this is GMS, the salesperson doesn't feel like they have to do these things because they have enough people in front of them. Um, and we have to correct these things now um, or when things aren't as good, it takes a lot longer to identify what those things are and then correct them. Uh, I go back to when I was a, when I was selling homes and the and the big biggest boom, you know, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, any activity created a positive result. Any activity created a positive result. I don't think that it's to that point right now that just any old activity creates a positive result, but it can create false sense of security of what's working and what's not. 
um, by, by the sense of you don't have to do, execute on it fully to get a positive result. So back then, uh, in that time period, you could literally just stand out on the corner with a sandwich sign literally on your front <laughs> back and like drive traffic. And what happened was, is the market changed so quickly. We did not know when the other shoe was going to drop. The market changed so quickly that we didn't actually know what to do next. We just kept doing the same things that we were doing over and over again, going, the sandwich board's not working anymore. What? It would take us months to figure that out. And we weren't in a position where we were allotted months to figure that out. And this is where we come back. We're at, let's face it, we're at the peak of a 10-year economic recovery. That doesn't mean that we're going to be doom and gloom. And then in the next 12 months that it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. But we've got to acknowledge that we're at the peak of a 10 year run as a total economy and understand what history tells us. And we have to identify now what the things are that we need to address. And it, it doesn't always mean spending money. It can mean focusing on the basics, focusing on our salespeople following up. It, Molly, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this. Go you go no, ahead. Go. You're say mention it. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things when if a neighborhood isn't selling that everybody always jumps to is I need more traffic. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. Well, the reality is is we've someone's gotten stuck in GMS because we're not executing on the things that should be happening. So we had we we were having an in person discussion with a partner of ours uh, last week, and one of the things that I do whenever someone says they need more traffic or a neighborhood's not selling or neighborhoods aren't selling, and I don't tell anybody I do this until after it's done. But the first thing I do is I go in and I do an online form submission on the builder's website, and I just wait, I just see what happens, because if you're if we're saying we need more then we're, then we have to be executing at an unbelievable rate. And, you know, we're having this meeting. I go online right at the beginning of the meeting. I do a form submission. Um, and then a day and a half goes by before I get a, the first response. And it's a canned, uh, like mass email list that was like, Hey, you know, here's what's happening with the next phase. Or you know, it was just some really bad response. That's all I've gotten. It was, I put a phone number in, I put an email address in, I put my name in. It was a personal email address. They didn't see, you know, wasn't our company or anything like that. Um, but it was a perfect example of more is not always what we need because when we have GMS, we're not actually executing. We're not paying attention to the things that matter on a day-to-day -day basis. And in fact, I venture to say, Molly, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear what your, your opinion on this is. But I would also venture to say more is going, if this is the case, more traffic is going to intensify the problem. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's just more opportunity to fail because it's, it's not fixing the problem. So earlier you talked about doom and gloom. And I just, this image came to my mind that has always stuck with me in my career because I, of course, started really right before that dramatic downturn. Um, yeah. Now, again, I have, I really genuinely do not believe that something crazy dramatic is going to happen. I think it's going to be way more gradual. I think that's what all the economists are saying. 
But I remember going to the Builder Show and so many seats were empty. And the speaker said, you see all those seats next to you? That guy's out of business. And it always resonated with me because it's true. I mean, you really have to plan ahead for market shifts. And um, and that's, you know, that's that's business advice. So, you know, this is something that we we have as well as a company. And um, as a business owner, that's something, you know, I'm always thinking about. So for, you know, when it comes to marketing, it is never about more, spend more, um, do more. It, it really isn't. It's really about being smarter and yep. and having the information and really making choices based on information and and not um, you know, just stick into autopilot. Autopilot can be incredibly dangerous. Um, and we just have to make sure when for me, running sales and marketing was when things we would bring in, we worked with sales trainers, uh, all the time. Like I had Myers Barnes would come in and, uh, he'd be like, Hey, what do you want to talk about? You know, we've covered all this stuff. What do you want to talk about this visit? And I would literally say, I want to talk about meet and greet. Like I want to talk about meeting and greeting a customer the proper way. I want to talk about the importance of follow-up. I want to, I want to focus on such the granular basics because these things can easily be just glossed over. Um, and if we don't focus on the super, super basics, then when, when things get a little choppy, because even in a great market, we had, uh, you know, we were, things were going gangbusters and then we would have hurricane come through and it would basically shut us down for a month. Right. So, or a presidential election in 2016 or, Oh, a government shutdown. Right. So people go through these, even in really, really good markets, there are still these blips on the radar that happen that we forget about, but it can just be a 30 day or a 40 day blip, um, on the, on the race, on the race up. I just posted an article yesterday, uh, this morning, about how 2019 as a whole, we ended 10, you know, new home industry ended up 10% up year over year. Um, but there's still these blips. And if we're not focused on proper execution of the basics, these blips on the radar are, are going to impact us more than if, if we're not prepared for those. I going back to my like sports analogies, right? It's why professional baseball players literally hit baseballs off of a tee. I mean, when you're first getting started in ba- as a child, five years old to play baseball, you play T-ball. You put the, put the ball up on the tee and the kid sits there and practice hitting it. And the first 100, 200 times they do it, most of the time they don't even make contact with the baseball. They hit the, they knock the tee out from under it and the, 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 the whole rubber tee goes flying and the ball just goes straight down. But, as you get better, right? And as professional athletes are doing this, when they're hitting a baseball off the tee, the tee itself doesn't even move because they're hitting it so clean and their mechanics are so accurate that they're hitting the ball and the tee doesn't even move. And it's the same thing with whether whatever sport, basketball, it's free throws, football, blocking and tackling. It's the super, super basics that make 
um, a, a, a really difficult play that happens that shows up on SportsCenter. It makes a really difficult play look easy because they're so good at the basics. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have an example of, of GMS on the sales level. So my sister is in new home sales for a national builder and she loves selling and the VP of sales was meeting with, with the division and made like a very off, like random comment, just talking about, you know, how they're doing and essentially said these homes sell themselves. Mm. And that's a, that's leadership taking the grit and the work and the dedication of doing it and trying um, away from the sales team. So I think a lot of times GMS really starts with leadership and something as simple as a a comment like that, these homes sell themselves, it trickles down to every single level. Um, there, and I believe I've talked about this before, if not, we can put a link in there. There was a study done about what indicates success in individuals and they and children were studied and it um it came back that it's not about where you're from it's not about ethnicity it's not about um class it's not about gender it's not about any of these things success is determined by grit and mm -hmm. when you show up and do the work and you're consistent that is the number one indication of success. So when we get GMS and we go on that autopilot, or if that's trickling down from leadership, that is going to really negatively affect business in every way. So I want to add a link because I think it's so empowering um, to this TED Talk that is is about grit and success yep. because it's a really good refresher. Um, and of course, the study was done here in, in Philly at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, I, I think you guys will enjoy it. So if you haven't seen that TED Talk, we'll add a link. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, Angela Duckworth. She's amazing. It was an, it's an amazing talk. I, 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 that's a hugely popular. You've probably seen it, but you, it's definitely worth a rewatch. Well, re re there is a book. I've read the book. I think it. Might be on my bookshelf behind me. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so absolutely 100%. Another example, because we talked about GMS. We you know, the, some of the examples that I was using also referred to uh, spending money and investing on things. Um, the other thing that it is that we've got to make sure we carve out is time. Like our investment of time to do things. It's like, hey... You know, I've got this little, uh, I've got my iPhone. I've got a, a, a gimbal that I can go walk through homes and create content. Um, but I just don't have time to do it right now. And that's another example of GMS, not giving, not making time to go do things that you know are going to have an impact down the road. So I remember when I first started in the industry and I got a call from Jane Marr. And, you know, she's like, how are you? How are you doing? And I told her, I was like, I am so busy. Oh, my gosh, things are crazy. And she stopped me in my tracks and said, Molly, let me give you a piece of advice. Everyone is busy. When you present yourself as I'm so busy, I don't have time. All you're telling people is that you're not good at management. And that has stuck with me my entire career because this is something we all need to remember. Everyone is busy. 
So if you're not able to do those things, that means you have to prioritize differently and you also need to manage yourself and your time better. So Matt knows this, but one of my, (laughs) that is one of my biggest pet peeves just in business in general is, oh, I'm so swamped. Oh, I'm so busy. Yeah. Welcome to life. That is how it goes. Uh, So this is a, this is a self-management, um, opportunity to don't ever respond with, I'm so busy, I'm so swamped, you know, because it just makes you sound like you don't have your life under control. Absolutely. And if you're also telling people like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get this back to you because, well, I'm just so busy. They don't, you're telling them that you're too busy to care about them. Totally. It's an excuse. And that's, that's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you shared with me, Matt, that I have to share with everyone. So, you know, some of these signs that we're talking about of GMS are, you know, we use the term autopilot, but we all tend to be a little lazier, you know, take things for granted. So Matt was sharing with me that he flat out calls people out and says, oh, that's GMS or, oh, do you have GMS today? And I think that is the funniest thing in the whole world. So I would love for that to become like an actual thing. So think about that and keep this in your mind, because what's going to happen is if you're driving to work right now, you're going to, um, or wherever you are, you're going to come across some interactions and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, GMS is a real thing. I'm witnessing it right now. So I want to hear your stories. I definitely want to um, hear your examples because everyone's going to have one literally today as you're listening to this. And I want to hear them. All right, here, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a deal. If we can get some good, good posts in the Facebook group about identifying GMS opportunities that you have, I will make and send you a GMS t-shirt. Ooh. We'll make a t-shirt. <laughs> Matt loves t-shirts. He is the king of don't, t-shirts. Like, don't be, a, don't be, don't be a Karen. Don't have GMS. <laughs> don't be a Karen. I love it. I love it. <sighs> All right. Fun stuff. Yeah, so we did use that. So we termed the phrase at Royal Oaks uh, GMS, and uh, people would get lazy, be looking at their CRM, like, how come you haven't followed up with this buyer? Oh, I've been busy. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Do you, do you have GMS? Like sales managers, like everybody was on board with that. Like they were all throwing GMS because it was honestly, it's a good, fun way to call somebody out right? Like it's not something that somebody's going to get super defensive about. They're not going to be like, you know, why are you, why are you all up on me? Like I'm selling <laughs> houses. Uh, but it's a fun way to be like, seriously, you've got, it's, I, I hear a lot of GMS going on here, right? Because even in a great market, blips on the radar happen. So in conclusion, don't be a Karen. Don't have GMS. <laughs> No, the truth is, though, but just being aware of it will make you better because now you're going to be looking for it. And nobody wants to be on autopilot. Nobody wants to be lazy. I have never met a human being who, you know, says, oh, yeah, when I think of myself, I think of the word lazy. I mean, that's like all of our worst nightmare, right? So don't don't allow that to happen. Be aware of it. And that I, I really hope that gives everyone that extra little kick to be their best version of themselves and what they're doing. Absolutely. 
All right, guys. Um, remember, we're going to also post the link to the blog post itself. Um, we might have a special funny video to go along with the blog. So make sure you check that out and um, forward it, share it, leave some reviews. You know, don't be shy. Uh, you know, sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. Make sure you join in on the conversation on our Facebook page. Make sure you join in on the conversation about GMS. Identify your good market syndrome. It's been fun building perspective together, and we will talk with you soon. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.